Hello and welcome back to another episode of our special. I'm definitely home for the holidays. Today's guest is Brendan Kumarasamy. Uh, he joins our show from the YouTube channel Master Talk, where he offers free tools and seminars to teach the practice of public speaking and communication. I love that he provides this knowledge as a free service. So many of us cannot afford the courses and schooling that teaches these very valuable lessons. Public speaking is, well, it seems that public speaking is quickly becoming a lost skill in our society. Communication has never been easier thanks to technology, yet it seems like we're becoming worse at it. Being a fellow Canadian, we discuss his early struggles with learning a second language and how he built his YouTube channel from nothing but his own dedication and perseverance. I'm so excited to have Brennan on the show and to share his story. And uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. And you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. Alrighty. So we have with us today Brendan from uh, Master Talk. How are you doing, my friend? Good, Robert. Good to see another fellow Canadian. Good to see another fellow Canadian. Yeah, big day today uh, with everything that's going on. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty happy to see those results in terms of the U.S. election. Who won? I don't even know. Guess. I don't know, man. Was it Biden? Oh, hell yeah, it was. Yeah, Philadelphia too. I'm a huge. It, it's it's funny how you think that when you're Canadian, you're like, man, I'm with. <laughs> it's like because for us, it's simple, right? We just go up. We just look at our, our leaders. And we go, man, Justin's really handsome. We're always going to vote. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. And we just leave it there. Then we just go like eat food and stuff and drink maple syrup. Whereas in, in the U.S., well, well, it's funny because I watched the like the provincial election or the pr- provincial debate for BC, and it was the most tame. Comp- it was super tame compared to what you're seeing oh, yeah. in the, the U.S. stuff. There was right? like it's a like, battleground downstairs. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> yeah. Which, which is which is why you're here today. You're here today to talk about communication and the importance of it. So um, tell us a little bit about Master Talk. Yeah, of course, brother. So Master Talk is a YouTube channel I started to help the yeah. world master the art of communication and public speaking. So how I got started, basically, is when I was in university and I studied in Montreal, I used to do these things called case competition. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were, you know, playing football, rugby, or soccer, all the things I would never do, I used the same competitive spirit, but I applied it to presentations. Right. So for three years, presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people on communication. So when I got a job in corporate, I guess, Canada in our case, usually I say corporate America, but I guess it's really corporate Canada. I got to just ask myself, what do I do with my life now? How do I add more value to society? And I noticed that a lot of the communication information that was available online wasn't really good. Mm. wasn't really good at all. So I started making videos in my mother's basement, thought it was a stupid idea. And then six months later, here we are today, man. So you started this six months ago? No, no, no. I started this uh, a year and a half ago. But what I meant by six months was right. six months later, I realized 
that sorry i must have miscommunicated i guess i should do better as <laughs> but basically what happened was six months into master talk i realized that it wasn't a stupid idea and that it was actually a movement that i could create so that every single person in the world who can't afford a speech coach because right. i couldn't afford me when right. i was me in university and it's true with a bunch of other people so it's like why don't i just make free resources for everyone so they can learn they can grow and then over time you know we figure it out so so yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey man well, one of the themes that sort of come up uh, in my talks is the, the uh, well, I guess communication is, it's not improving in our society. I mean, you think about how we communicate through, well, for example, uh, somebody wanted me to call them yesterday. And so they texted me and he said, all me back, please. And it was PLZ. And it's like, dude, you can't even write please. That makes me extremely unlikely to call you back, right? <laughs> My point is, is that I think we're losing the ability to kind of hold and sustain conversations. And I don't know, I, I, again, I don't know if Master Talk is more about public speaking or if it's more about sort of the art of dialogue, but I do think that we're losing our ability to sort of have real conversations. Mm, that's powerful, man. Yeah, the way so back to Masterstroke, the way I think about it, it's definitely it's publishing is a component of that. But the way that we need to think about it, and then we'll dive into what you said, right. is this idea that communication is everything that we do. It is. You know, it's, yeah. It's it's not just the presentation you give at work. It's the fights that you have with your spouse or your husband right. or your your family or your loved ones. But it's also the great conversations you have with them. It's the dinner conversations you yeah. have with them. It's the business negotiations. It's everything. Yeah. And once we realize that communication improves the quality of our lives, that is how we start to master communication. So now the second part to what you said is this idea that as a society, we're having challenges communicating more effectively. And in my opinion, if I'm being honest, you know, a lot of people tend to think it's because of social media or texting. I don't think it's that. I think the idea is that as humans, we're just mirrors to whatever exists. Social media is not a bad thing or a good thing. It depends how you use it. Right. Same thing with communication. Well, we need to understand communication, Robert. If there has been a systemic issue that has been happening since the beginning of the education system that has pretty much screwed up all of our ability to communicate. And that answer is the way that we present. Okay. Think about it. When you're in high school, right? Because we all were there, whether you live in India, whether you live in you know, the US or Canada, we all go through an education system and in that education system we present we give presentations that's pretty much the bulk of where the communication right. skills are learned but a hundred percent of all of those presentations are a mandatory we don't wake up one morning and say hey rob you want to get breakfast man and present all day nobody says that this is not a thing right you're, you're in high school history teacher comes up to you or in college whatever and they go hey do a presentation on the renaissance and you're like chewing a popsicle and going like what What's a what's a run a yeah so and you're like why whatever but anyways so that's one all the presentations are mandatory and then there's three other things now number two you never get to pick the topic which brings me to that point right if you want to do something you actually want to present like this podcast or my YouTube channel or if you like to bake cupcakes it doesn't matter you never get to pick the topic okay? right the other thing is the students you're presenting to don't really care. They don't care about the presentation. They don't right. care about what you're trying to achieve. So it doesn't matter, right? 
And so the third thing, and by the way, one thing I want to emphasize there is not because they don't care about you. It's because they have to present after you. And their minds are so focused on that, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly, man. Dude, if you're presenting, and I got to talk about Egypt 10 minutes later, I'm not listening to your presentation right. about- That's why I always go first in school. Yeah. Because, and there's no metric, right? I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll go first. Teacher's like, oh, that's really brave. I always go first because you get a better mark for it, so. That's true. That's very smart. Very yeah. intuitive. I agree, yeah. man. Very true. But that's the thing, man. So then, but most people in the class aren't paying attention. They're like, oh, I got to present like uh, last, right. you know, paying attention. Number three, teachers. Teachers are very well educated, very well intentioned, but also very stressed. You got 60 mm. students in a classroom. You're managing seven of these classrooms. You got to get everyone to present every single time. Do you really have time to coach them on their communication skills? Maybe, probably right. not. And this behavior, Robert, gets perpetuated, gets repeated in every subject. Math, right. sciences, English, French, languages, on and on and on. Whether you're born in the 1900s or you're born today, the issue remains the same. And that issue is that we, as a society, have conditioned ourselves into believing that public speaking is a chore. Right. It's a chore. If you're at work, it's tied to a promotion. If you're at school, it's tied to a grade, as you mentioned with your teacher. And if you mess up, you'll get punished for it. Mm. Whether it's a lower grade or right. a promotion you don't get. So the punchline is simple here. The punchline that we need to realize in today's conversation in life in general is that the reason we are scared of communicating appropriately, the reason we are scared of public speaking, and the reason we're scared of communicating, interacting, is not because, and rather has nothing to do with us, but the system in which we grew up learning the skill in the first place. Right. So there's a conditioned sort of response to public speaking that we're going to be judged for what we're presenting on. And that's why we have this phobia of communicating. Right. And that's, and communication in many ways is a multiplier, right? If you get really good at one area of communication, Robert, you get better at everything else. So if you get really good at presentations, like you get really strong, conversation is a lot easier. Podcast hosting and guesting comes easier, but the opposite is also true. Communication is also the, is the ultimate divider. If you're really bad at presentations, you're going to think that you're really bad at conversations. And if you think you're really bad at conversations, you're not, you're not, well, Robert, I don't, I don't want to come on as a guest on your podcast, man. Right. I'm really scared. You're like, why are you scared, man? Or gal? It's just, yeah. you're like, and they're thinking, oh, so, you know, it's like a presentation. That's the key, man. Perception. Right. So then what, if we're trying to unpack, say yeah, I'm 31 years old. So right you know, 25, whatever years of this kind of conditioned response to the fear of uh, public speaking, then what are some of the skills that you can, that you offer people to change their perception? Bang on. Great question. Man. Yeah. So what, what's the key? How do we, how do we master this perception? How do we change the way that we think about communication? Here's the way I think about it. It's one question, right? Right. You know, you know I'm good. There's a bunch of stuff on my YouTube channel. There's a really blows down to one question. That question is a simple one. How would the world change if you were an incredible communicator? That's it. How would the world right. change? 
Some people will answer, well, I get to be the big speaker and I get to talk to thousands of people. Well, other people will go, hey, well, you know what, Robert? 80% of the people I talk to don't understand me. They don't understand when I say something and it always gets into misunderstanding and fighting. And it's not because of me or them. It's just because I don't really know it. But if I was really good at communication, I would have much less problems. Everyone would understand. I would understand. We'd realize that mm-hmm. there's fault almost nowhere. You know, usually when I see arguments, Robert, it's never because one person is right or wrong. It's always because both people have communicated what they thought was right. And both of those people communicated in the wrong way. Right. Right. So, yeah. I, I do think that that kind of is a problem that we're seeing today with the sort of uh, echo chambers of social media and stuff is we're not really listening. Right. And that is always if if one, it's like I always bring up the uh, somebody who believes an atheist and a theist, right? Having an argument over God, you know, oftentimes they're just not listening. They're just trying to win the argument. They're not actually listening to the other side. So bringing in again, what's the intent here? And when the intent is to have a conversation and learn something versus win the argument, it has a very different shape. Right. But I would say to you're right, by the way, we're on the same page. Absolutely. Like I always say that the truth is always in the middle, right? In the sense that if you, if you're picking sides, you don't know how to think in my opinion. Right. Like this, what I know this is a bit harsh, but the way what I'm trying to say is like, let's say you think about the, not to you specifically, but just a general comment on society. Let's say we think about the U S election that we just talked about. Right. Most people will pick a side. They'll go, I'm Democrat, Republican. Very few people, as you mentioned very well, We'll go, what can I, well, wait a second. Let me just take a pause here. The Republicans and the Democrats eat the same hamburgers, go to the same family gatherings, watch the same Netflix specials. Are they really that different? Right? It's just like, are they really, like, is it just because one person has a, so when you go into that, you're going to ask the more important question that very few people do, as you mentioned, which is what can I learn from both perspectives? Most people don't do that. But what I would argue, Robert, is that has nothing to do with social media. We've always been like that as humans, right? But, you know, it's been exacerbated in some ways through some fam foreign channel. But I think what, what we can do as a society is say, how can we all communicate our ideas better? So that way, when we all have the right tools, that's what I'm trying to do with Master Talk yes. in one form yeah. or another. So that when we're all, whether you're, you know, five, you know, 16 year old girl to 60 year old executive, doesn't really matter. If we all start to communicate appropriately and in that lens, as you mentioned, listening is more important and all that stuff, we get to that place, then the world would just be a better place too. I do. I, yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like what, and you know, I've talked about this too. It sounds like what is the goal and what you're trying to communicate? Right. And if we can establish what that is, the conversation takes a different turn. And, and let me provide an example. So I'm a school counselor and oftentimes I meet with parents and, you know, they're coming on it from this perspective and the school's coming on it from this perspective. And then there's the child, you know, they're in the middle. Right. And what I have to tell them, the parents is that the school has their best intentions. So you set the kind of the groundwork of, of where we are in this argument. Like we are actually having this conversation with the same intentions. We want what's best for this individual, for your son, your daughter, so forth. And when you say that, it completely changes 
the energy of the conversation. And maybe that's something that you talk about is the energy in conversations, right? But when you set an intent, that is this, that's what your opponent or whatever, the other person you're communicating with is the same intent. It takes on a very different turn. That's just my experiences. We're on the same page. I love the way you're phrasing things. It's very cool learning from <laughs> me as well. But yeah, exactly. I totally agree with this idea of energy and intent and how you approach a conversation and talk to the person. You know, the way, the way that I frame it mm-hmm. is frame it in a way that is selfishly beneficial to you. So think about it like yeah. me, right? So for me, the reason why I communicate well, the reason why I want to do it initially wasn't because I wanted to save the world. Is because when I was in university, I used to do these competitions and I really like to win. Like I'm psychotically some, you know, Josh right. from, uh, he's a venture capitalist. I forgot, Josh Wolf says it very well. He's like, I, when I was a kid, I was psychotically competitive. I was like, oh, I love that word. It's very crazy. Right. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very similar. I'm very, I'm psychotically competitive. Right. So for me, communication was a vehicle for me to win my competition. So I was obsessed. That's what you probably tell them very young, but I have the experience of someone who's multiple decades of communication. Isn't that weird when you think about it? You're like, wait, right. this guy's like 24, but he has so much knowledge and like communication. So right. same thing psychotically competitive, got really good at communication. Then I was like, oh, I can like share this gift to other people. But that frame of mind can apply for everyone. Let's say you have, uh, I don't know, uh, some random person's listening to this right now. Let's say they got like a family and they're realizing, man, a lot of these arguments, like, so what do you want? What ideal state do you want for your family? Well, I would love to be calm. I would love to have a lot less arguments. How can we achieve that goal, the goal that you want, right? The goal that you want to achieve. Well, the way that you do this is by going, Oh, I need to communicate with more intent, with energy. I need to understand with mirroring, etc. In the right. same way, by the way, I'm applying that very example in this very show as I'm talking to you. Because some people, I always adapt to whatever the host wants. Let's say I, I get on a call and this guy named Nick who goes, Hey, Brandon, it's so great to be here, man. I'll be like, man, Nick, it's such a pleasure to be here, man. Let's do it. And then the, the other side of the coin is also, uh, hey, Brandon, it's, <coughs> it's really good to see you. And I'm like, Hey Paul, how's it going? Are you right. anything feeling okay? And yeah, you, you, you. I near. I mean, there's no better word. There you go. Right. So yeah. So uh, all all great information. Now, what makes a good communicator? Like things like tone, things like vocabulary. Tell me what makes a good communicator. Here's the way I see this, Robert. Because because obviously, what I've noticed from my years of doing this is. A lot of the information out there is very vague. Even in some of the things I've said today is pretty vague. You're like, well, what do I what do, I do from an audience's perspective? Right. So here's the way I spin it. A great communicator is someone who has mastered all the areas of communication, but does not begin by master all of them at the same time. Okay. What, what's the general rule of thumb? If you become a master of one, you become a master of all. Let me repeat that again. If you become a master of one, you become a master of all. What does this mean? If you're trying to master presentation skills, conversation skills, social skills, guesting on a podcast and doing all that at the same time, you're bound to fail. Right. Right. But if you ask yourself the simple question, what do I want out of life and how does communication benefit that life? Then you can easily pinpoint which one of those skills should you be working on first. So let's say, for example, for me, 
it was very simple. And this is the easiest one to work on, in my opinion, because the easiest mindset change, it's presentations. Most people are scared to give presentations. Right. So if you get to a place in your life, not you specifically, if you are listening, to go from, hey, I'm really scared of this public speaking thing too. Presentations actually aren't that bad. What that does for your mindset is mm. insanely right. effective. Like it's insane. Because you'll go from like, oh, well, last month I couldn't even, and now I can just give a presentation and not care. And then three months, now you're just going to be talking like me. And then when you get to that place, in my opinion, you have the, you're not, you're not a great communicator yet, but you have the mindset of one. And the mindset of one is the person who says, I can absolutely master communication. And then after you do what I do, after I did presentations, what do I do next? I mastered conversational skills. I mastered interview skills. I mastered coffee chats with people who are much older and experienced than I was, which mm-hmm. means listening 90% of the time, not talking that much. And then this year, I'm learning how to do this. When I was on my first show, did you really think I was answering this eloquently? No, you're like, so Brendan, tell me master. I would have been like, uh, yeah, so, uh, oh shit, I'm in my mother's basement. Should I really talk about master? Talk? Why am I on this show? And then when right. I went the 200th time, now I'm like, let me tell you, Robert, do you know the system is broken? Like, that's not something I got right on the first time I was on a show. This is probably what my, just so people know, probably my 200th show, 300 podcast. The repetition. Right. It's the yeah, repetition of yeah. the same skill. If you, if you, like, let's say it like this. Let's say you try to do in a week, three podcast interviews, uh, two different presentations, two different coffee chats. You're going to mess it up because you're, you're working on so many different skills as a communicator when instead you could just do this. Okay, let's focus on one vertical. Let's knock out that vertical. Let's, okay, so for me, okay, simple. This is the easiest thing people do. So I'll give you the easiest tip in the world. How do you master communication skills? Presentations. Okay, I call it the puzzle method. Puzzle? Yes, yeah. Puzzle essentially is communication is a lot like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, it's thousand piece puzzles kind of put together. So if I asked you, Robert, which pieces would you start with first if you're working on a jigsaw puzzle? Usually the, uh, the outside, the right? The edges, right? Yeah. But that's what most people answer, and it's correct. That's that's the way I think about it, even if I'm not a world-class. I start uh, with all, the whole white section of the puzzle. and you know, so, the You'd be surprised. Right? Some people answer. Yeah. They go, you actually yeah. start with the middle, and I just go, wait, really? Yeah. Anyways. That's not what I was hoping those, for. Yeah. yeah, you're like, yes, hey, wait edges. a second. That's what I start with. That's my yeah. understanding. There you go. So it works well yeah. with my example. So starting with the edges first. Perfect. Right. The question we need to ask ourselves, and this is the easiest tip I have for you in this conversation. Why don't we do that in public speaking? We have a presentation in two days at school, at work. So what do we do? We start with the middle. We shove a bunch of content into the presentation. We get to the presentation. We get to the last slide and it sounds something like this. Uh, 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 thanks. Really, really thanks. That's like 97% of all the presentations I've seen in my life. And there's an easy way to fix it, guys. It's called puzzle. Much like a jigsaw puzzle, start with the edges first. Mm. Practice the introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times, 50 times. You think that's a lot? It's actually not. It'll take you an hour. It'll be done. Well, and and sorry to interrupt, but that's the hook, right? The intro is the hook. That's when you get your audience. You're not going to get your audience halfway through a presentation, right? You think about TED Talk. TED Talks, right? Those are amazing, right? They're 15 minute speeches and they start off with a hook, 
right? A friend of mine, he, he mentioned Breaking Bad and how that was such an amazing show because at the beginning of every episode, it starts with like this disaster. That's, and that's you're true. like, what the hell is going on? So you're hooked and <laughs> yeah. you just want to see what happens. And you're like, how did that teddy bear blow up and end up in the pool? Is everybody okay? And then you that's watch so it. so true. Yeah. So it's, it's Dude, you hook. remind me of one of the guys from Breaking Bad now that I think of it. Like that, what's that guy's name? That, that guy who was working with Brian Cranston? Oh, Jesse? Yeah, it's, it's my toque. It's because I'm wearing a toque. It's because of the toque, I think. Yeah. But anyways, for those who don't get the Breaking Bad analogy, go watch the show. It's really good. But anyways, the point is, back to what you're saying, not only is the hook important, because I don't like to emphasize that part, even if you're correct in saying that, mm-hmm. it's the easiest. It's easy. It's 60 right. seconds. Right. It's, it's, it's literally a 50-word essay. This is no. not like, it'll take you an hour. You'll have done it 50 times. Conclusion, do the same thing. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? A terrible movie. No conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Same thing. 50 times in two hours of practice, and not two days, not two months, two hours, you'll have already practiced your pitch in the right way more than you have in your entire lifetime. There's nobody, unless I tell them to, who presents their introduction 50 times. The only other niche that I've seen who does mm. this without knowing they're doing this is people like you, podcast hosts. Because the intro is always the same. Intro, intro the guest, right? You just don't realize you're doing it. Yes, yeah. That's the key. Like, like the, uh, yeah, the, the structure is the same. Right. right. Like, right. Think about all the best podcasts in the world. This is true with interview hosts or whatever. But the key is to bring it back to people who aren't content creators, really anybody. Pick a pitch, pick a topic that you really enjoy, that you can speak on multiple times. I call this the repeatable presentation. Something you care about that you can actually present to a lot of people. And then once you're in that place, once you're in that part where you go, okay, I love this, then apply puzzle. Intro, conclusion, wow, I'm really good at this public speaking thing. I've done like this intro 50 times. I'm actually really good at this hook. That confidence, you can't get anywhere else. Now with that confidence, now dive the middle. But much like a jigsaw puzzle, who does thousand piece puzzles alone? Nobody, unless you're really introverted. You do it with people. Even today as a professional speaker, Robert, I don't do my keynotes alone. I don't practice, I mean, my keynotes alone. Right. I practice my friends, my buddies, my family. I use their feedback. Do the same thing. It's free. Right. Well, the other thing that I noticed, if you think about, well, who would you say is, is like a historically great public speaker? I can think uh, of lots, but I'm curious to know who yours is. That, that's the thing, man, is I'm very subjective. So I always like to of plug course. someone that isn't necessarily the best, but I think he's a master of outcome-based speaking. So for me, it's Scott Harrison, who's the CEO of Charity Water, who basically like helps a lot of people like gain access to clean drinking water. But the reason I like Scott, the other person, I can mention like a thousand, I've you know, studied right. so many of them. But I think the reason why I like Scott is he's a good example of what public speaking actually means. Public speaking is about achieving an outcome that you desire. Simple, simple, right. simple. Right. right? Yeah. If that, if that outcome is sales and the outcome is sales, if the outcome is impact, the outcome is impact. People who knock out the, the outcome of their goals are excellent communicators, period. And what Scott does, he has a simple goal, right? Raise a bunch of money for his charity. That's why he speaks 200 times a year. And, you know, he's raised what hundreds of millions of dollars for his organization wow. through what he's been doing at charity. War. So really smart guy, really insightful. But that's true with any great speaker, you know, and Martha Luther King, you know, had a dream and he had that outcome. His outcome was to start really be that match. Start Steve Jobs again. What's his? His goal as a speaker is to explain the future 
mm-hmm. in the way that people today understand it. So in 2007, when he first presented the iPhone, people were like, who the hell would spend $1,000 on a phone? It's kind of like uh, deranged. Right, like kind of, right, right. The way Steve explained it, it was like, no, no, no. You get a phone, right? You get internet, and you get music. And this is not three devices. This is one, and we're calling it iPhone. Yeah. So someone who's sitting there goes, wait a second. I spent $500 on an iPod. If I spend an extra $500, this is like the, the people who are crazy in the room right. who are like Apple, like people like me and you would be like, I don't give a shit. Like I've spent yeah. 500 bucks on iPod. I'm not spending extra 500 to get an iPod. People in that room are like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. I can put an iPod, a phone. That's all thought of. Steve right. Jobs classic. That's the key. But as the point is, that's very complicated for people. The idea I want to drive here is pick the speakers that make an impact on you. Like for me personally, Scott Harrison isn't the best speaker in the world, but he has made the biggest impact in my life, whether it's through his book, Thirst, that I highly recommend. It's a great ability. It's a great idea of how to tell stories, how to apply what I'm teaching today in an actual organization, which is a nonprofit in his case. And it's very tactical advice. And for you, it might be somebody else. You might go, hey, you know, I've been a big fan of Winston Churchill or something, somebody else. Right. So figure those people out for yourself. Well, when I think about amazing speakers, and I was just thinking about this as we're speaking, but they have three H's and it's humility, humor, and hope. If you have those three H's in your speech, you can, you can bring people in like that, right? You think about Barack Obama, man, that guy's an amazing speaker. And he really does have that sort of the humility, the humor piece and the hope. Right. And people love that because really when you're speaking, you're also uh, and you always have to be careful of this is you're, you can really play to people's emotions and that's how you win them over. Right. And we need to look no further than the examples that history have given us of people that aren't exactly great, you know, like, Hitler was an amazing speaker, right? He was in many ways. Right? I'm not saying he's a good person. He's a terrible oh, person. Oh, trust me. I'm not right? either, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. And he was able to pull people in with his speeches. So that is just further case in point of the power of communication, right? It can be used for great good and great evil, you know? That's why, that's why my hope is by democratizing that information through yes. this conversation that we're having today that more people can use it for good. Right. Well, and I love what you said about achieving an outcome that you desire, right? That's your definition of communication, correct? Absolutely. Like for me, a good way of thinking about it, it's how do you convince a group of strangers who don't know you, who don't believe what you believe, who don't like what you like in a way that makes them say all three things. Mm -hmm. You say, wow, I know this person. Wow. I believe this person. I didn't know this person before I talked to them. This person convinced me through their speech that I should do something. So think about this conversation. Everyone listening doesn't know me. They don't believe what what I believe. They don't believe they can master public speaking in a way that I think they can. But through the way that I speak, my hope is that over time, as they're listening to this recording, whether it's once or twice, that at the end they go, oh, I can totally master communication. If I achieve, that's the intention I set for a conversation. If I achieve that outcome, I'm not here to sell a program here, do anything that. Because once I convince you of doing it, you'll watch the videos. Right. So the question you need to think about is what is that outcome for yourself? What a, a big thing of like, because actually I love public speaking, but 
is confidence, right? Have you always been a confident person? Definitely not. Just so you have a flavor of my story here, Rob, when I, when I, since you know, you probably know Montreal really well. So you know that Montreal is one of the few cities, it is one of the few cities in Canada where most people speak French. Right. Right. French and English. So most people speak a lot of languages in the city, but I didn't know French. Mm. My parents looked at me and said, buddy, you got to learn the language, man. (laughs) So we're going to throw you into a French education system where you need to learn the language. And I just went, oh, shit. Obviously, I'm super grateful now. I'm trilingual. But the the point I want to drive is in that process, it sucked. Yeah. Like, imagine standing in front of a classroom where you don't know French and you have to speak it in a presentation. So it sounds something like this. Uh, Bonjour. Right. And that was my life. So I'm not saying I was the, you know, the anxious introverted kid or anything, but I definitely wasn't the most confident, especially in French. Right. What happened after, and of course now, you know, I've been able to regain that confidence a lot in my life. And what I could say is confidence stems from two areas, period. Okay. So let's, let's take out all the fog, all the noise. I'll sum it down. One is the one we all know. Preparation. You know, we talked about it a lot today. Yeah. You know, yeah, sure, I was young when I started coaching executives, but like, hey, at the end of the day, if I've presented hundreds of times and you know what you're talking about, like, it's fine, okay? That's going to help you with your confidence. What's the second part? The second part is the key. And it's not the breathing. It's not the drinking the water. It's not the power posing your way to success. All that's nonsense, in my opinion. It's a belief system. What do you actually believe in? Why are you giving this presentation in the first for me, it was simple. I looked at the crowd, right? Not the crowd, sorry. But I would look at like 16-year-old girls, 15-year-old boys, and I would go, hey, wait a second. Who is teaching these people how to speak? Right. Who is creating resources for them? And when I looked at the executives, I needed to coach. Like, I think I was 23 when I had my first executive client. And they're like in their 40s, 50s. So obviously, was I nervous when I started mastering? Oh, obviously. Like, yeah. I don't have a PhD in communication. So where does the confidence come from? Prep we talked about, but I believed in a world where everyone can master the art of communication. I need, like I know Robert, I need money so that I can make the videos on the channel for free for everyone, which means it's not like a, oh, like believe in yourself kind of thing, or it's going to come. It's like, no, no, no. I got to figure this out so that I can gain the financial resources to make the high quality stuff I do today. So it's not just about, oh, like let's let's magically be confident for my exec. No, no, it's I gotta deliver. Like this is my belief system. Yeah. Most people don't have one. That's the core issue. Well, it's almost like you, you have to look at it as like a survival thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I have to do well at this, right? I think we sometimes give ourselves easy outs, you know, like, oh, I'll try my best or whatever. And you're to me, you're setting yourself up for, like you say, I, I, I love that, the whole belief thing and confidence. If you're saying, ah, I'll try my best, you, are, you do not believe in what you're doing, right? I was re- I, I'm, I'm recently reading Matthew McConaughey's uh, autobiography, Green Lights. Green Lights, great book. And he reads this book, The World's Greatest Salesperson or something like that. And it's true. You are selling yourself, right? Not in, like, not in terms of you're trying to make people buy your product, but yeah, you're yeah, trying absolutely. to make people buy into you right so really communication is uh yeah it's 
is it underestimated? I'm not, I'm not so sure. That's right? interesting. Yeah. Definitely underestimated in some respects. I think, yeah. I think the, the idea is it's heavily ignored for the wrong reasons. So what do I mean by that? And this is actually a new insight you're giving me because I know everyone's asked me that, so I got to write that down somewhere. But I think the reason why is because we've been taught to not prioritize it. And we've been taught to see it as a chore. So that way of thinking about it, who wants, who wants to do the dishes every day? Nobody, mm. right? But you do it because you need, you need dishes to you know, eat food on. Communication, people equate it to the same thing. Eh, I mean, I talk all the time. What does, it, what does it really matter? Whereas my point of view on this is saying, okay, what if we reframed communication? Okay, I'll give you the best example. Julia is 14 years old. She hates public speaking, but she's an introvert. But for some reason, she loves theater. How does that make any sense? Hmm. Why is it, Robert, that a 14-year-old like Julia, and that could be a 12-year-old John, it's the same thing, same example. What, why are they introverted? Why do they hate their classroom presentations, but they love theater? Isn't theater more nerve-wracking than a presentation for 10 minutes? You're like doing a play, you got all these. So we ask Julia, we say, hey, Jules, Quick question for you, buddy. What, what, what is it about theater that you like so much? She's going to look at you and go, well, what do you mean, Brendan? It's, it's about sharing an idea. It's about making a difference. It's about making people laugh and I get all these lines. She's like wearing costumes and whatever. And I was like, so what about your classroom presentation? I was like, oh, what do you mean classroom presentations? I got to give this presentation to like people I don't like. And I don't know, it's nervous. And I don't notice the difference. You right. see difference right it's like it's that perception that's why for me i'm a big advocate of that question i asked earlier how would the world change if you're a phenomenal communicator because that answer will vary based on who you are obviously a lot of people won't want to do theater but they'll want to improve the relationships that they have in their life they'll want to get healthier communicate their ideas better to their vision better like the podcast you got to communicate people to join what you're doing so you can grow this thing you got people to promote it Everything you do is communication. Everything that you do necessitates other human beings for the goals that you have. Once you selfishly figure out those goals are, it's a lot easier for you to run towards the finish line. Hmm. That's, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good point. I like the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Canadian mind blowing. Yeah. Well, and, and the truth is, is that I really think that I'm going to try and formulate this question here, the statement, but in acting, you get into a character, you get into a role, like you become that when you're on stage. And I think sometimes when we're presenting, we, we're forgetting that there is a degree of performance in what we're doing, right? If we're going to try and convince people what we're trying to get, right? The art of communication we have to, we can't just be like, have you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? There's this history teacher and he's like 1864 and he's like dead, monotone, right? <laughs> we need to be, well, but that's what I mean. There has to be a degree of, I, I guess, entertainment, right? In how we communicate. Mm. And I'd say that that's something that you definitely have, right? I mean, your ability to, you know, you repeat person's names, you make it personable. Right, but there's also this degree of storytelling, and we love stories. This is that's just how human beings are. We love stories. And I'm with you, man. Yeah, yeah, and that's very much what communication is, right? You think about the TED talks, and they kind of are just like you've described a story. There's the beginning, you know, the edge of the jigsaw. There's the middle, the center, 
and then there's the end. And it starts with a question, do, 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 ends with a, you know, this is where we're going with this, that hopeful piece, right? So what, and I know I've asked this, but in your opinion, when someone's giving a speech, what makes a good speech? What makes a good speech? Or a good presentation? I think, because uh, I, I don't like to overcomplicate things. You know, for example, right. I can give you a whole master class in storytelling. Most people wouldn't get it, right? Because right. you got you to get better over time. But here's, here's the great speech, okay? My definition of good speech is a one that's done 100 times. We need to understand that the best speakers in the world present one presentation, not 100, one presentation, hundreds of times. Right. Just today, four hours ago. Okay, I was giving a con. I was on. A, I was a keynote for a conference for students. It was like a student-run thing. Okay, that that presentation, that keynote I gave. Do you know how many times I've given that same presentation? Right. Three hundred and fifty times. Right. Three hundred and fifty times. I'm not saying people on this call, people are listening to this, need to do that. The point I'm driving is what makes a good speech is one where you understand the content so much where you can focus on the delivery instead. If you're someone who cares about mental health, let's use that as an example. You want to be a mental health advocate speaker. I was talking to someone like that earlier who wanted to do that. I would say that's perfect. That's an awesome topic. Make a presentation tonight, 20 minutes, not two hours, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, your best tips and tricks. Do that presentation 20 times to a group of three people. After that, you'll start to get feedback. You'll start to understand. And then the questions that you ask yourself will change very quickly from what content is in this presentation to the following. Are people actually listening to me? What emotions am I actually conveying here? So when I started on shows, that's a great example, because I wasn't good at this either. I always raised my hand and I explained that to people. You know, people would ask me about public speaking. I wasn't sure how to answer them because I knew it intellectually. I was like, yo, you got to focus on body language. You got to focus on... Right. But at the end, when I was watching myself, listening to myself, I was like, wait a second. If I don't have expertise and public speaking, no one's actually understanding. No one can take action on what I say. So I needed to change my tune. And I'll tell you the best example of this. I once talked to a six-year-old. It was like the 20th time I was presenting. I was super insecure as a speaker. Because remember, context for people. I was 23, 22, sorry. Speaking to 40-year-old executives, 50-year-old executives on on how they should communicate. And I was like, I was like, okay. So I, I gave a workshop once to a six-year-old. And I did the same content as I did the executive. She came up to me. She asked me this question that I'll never forget. She said, what's a CEO? And I just went, right? What is a CEO? Yeah. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> why, why am I even saying that in my workshop? So that's when I started developing techniques that allows me to communicate ideas better. You know, like the puzzle method. That's brain dead obvious when you think about it. Now you're just like, Oh, like I get it. This public speaking thing is easy. That's what I really want to convey. So figure out what that thing is for you. And then over time, as you present the same idea over and over again, that's the secret. Tony Robbins has been doing the same seminar people for 40 years. Yeah. Longer than me and Robert have been alive almost cumulatively. Like almost as a group. That's the key. And then over time, as you talk to them, you start to go, oh, wait a second. I'm not communicating this correctly. Let me switch my tune. And see, I think maybe that's a problem for me is because there's this idea of mastery, but I always think like, can anything truly be mastered? Because things are always changing. Things are always in flux, right? But that is that confidence piece. You sort of have to feel like 
you really got it. You know the content. The other thing is, is again, obviously knowing what you're presenting, but knowing your audience, right? I think that's such a huge piece in communication, especially if what you're, you're you know, propositioning, to use your definition, is totally against who you're communicating that to. You have to find a way of like, you know, how do, it's, it's a bit of a dance, right? Like when you're, again, I bring up the atheist and the theist and, you know, the atheist isn't going to say like, you're an idiot because you believe in God. You know what I mean? Like there has to be a, how do I deliver this that I don't lose them? And I think that's a huge part of communication is losing your audience. Absolutely, man. That's, that's the key. You know, a lot of people are like, Hey man, how do I like be more engaged in a speech? I was going, how many times have you given the speech? Right. Twice. I'm like, then how do you expect anyone to be engaged? Yeah. The reason who have is, you presented it to? Yeah. yeah. Who have you presented it to? No, yeah. no. I love the, I love the introduction. It's perfect. Because in that in that frame of mind, it's like, well, if you're struggling just memorizing your own content, it's hard for you to deliver that content. Right. Think about the TED talks. Yeah, you know, those 50 minute speeches are amazing. Most people don't realize that those people are have have coaches. They've been practicing the same speech for six months. Right. The same 15 minutes. They don't that presentation like the back of their arm like it's like literally every syllable to the way that they start to the way that they finish every single moment is thought of in advance you know what that is such a great point because i think in our you know in our day and age what we see we think is like just natural right We, we we talk about people as being talented right like oh man the amazing talent on this person which i think is like is kind of a bit of, it's almost like a put down for that person, like saying it's just their natural innate ability, disregarding the amount of practice that that person has put in. And that's something that you're, 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 you're definitely speaking about is we have to practice. Things don't just come to us. We have to practice. We got to put in the reps, right? Absolutely. Completely yeah. agree. I don't think that anybody's just born you know, the greatest soccer player of all time, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't just born, right? It took hours and hours of practice and failures. And it's the same with communication, right? We cannot be afraid of failure. Absolutely, brother. So, I mean, I, I I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's, that's definitely. I agree. I'm happy to share. No, the, the general idea is you're right. And I'm living example of this. I was not born a great communicator. I was good at social school. I'm not saying I was an introvert my whole life or none of that stuff. I'd be lying to the crowd if I said that. You know, I was an extroverted guy, but I never was confident with presentations, especially in French growing up because mm. I had so many insecurities of not knowing the language. So I thought it was stupid, frankly. But then over time, I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. I know what's happening here. Okay. I know how to speak. I just got to figure out these uh, things. Blah, blah, blah. So it's after a series of practices, you know, I, you know, just so people understand, like I was the Michael Jordan nobody gave a shit about in university <laughs> in the sense that I was super intense about presentations. Every day I was either presenting or I was coaching somebody else on how to present. Right. I was doing one or the other. Right. Right. And then in that frame of mind, I said, okay, this is how we need to think about it. This is how we need to present. And that's how I got better. Because those people that I was coaching in many cases were better than me as a speaker. I was learning from them as much as they were learning from me. And that's how I developed the techniques that I can now teach in these conversations. Same thing with everyone who's listening. Whatever that thing is for you, 
if you're willing to obsess over it and do it over and over again, same with presentations in an easier way, maybe do one presentation you care about, do it 20 times, I can guarantee you, you'll be a lot better than where you, when you, where you were yesterday before you did that practice. Absolutely. So what's, what's one technique to sort of like, uh, wet everybody's palate for, for your, your, your YouTube videos. What's one technique that people could practice right now listening? Absolutely. So puzzle is definitely one of them that you can yeah. apply as a structure, but let's do one you can do every day. It's called the random word exercise. Random it takes a minute of your day. Okay. So essentially what you do is you pick a random word in your house, could be in a dictionary that you understand, nothing too hard. Yeah. And you make a random presentation out of it. I'm happy to demonstrate this also, Robert. You want to give me a random word? Airplane. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. You really gave me an easy life here. So what I need Welcome. to do with – no, I'm happy. This is actually super – trust me, I've gotten much worse at words. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to present a presentation out of thin air with the word airplane. Robert did okay. not give me this word prior to this call. Okay. So it sounds something like this. People remember and reminisce over the busy streets in a city, over the calm streets in a villa or on a beach where everything is tranquil. But everyone seems to forget the busyness that is the airport and the airplanes that direct that airport to navigate people from A to B, to get people from China to, to Wisconsin, to get people from country to country and every time needs to be correct and every pace needs to be set. And in that airplane, when we sit there and we go on our first voyage, and we're eating those little peanuts that the nice flight attendant has for us. And we look out into the window. Most of us forget the brilliance of this technology. Isn't it insane that as human beings, we went from walking on the streets, riding horses, going to cars, to being in Beijing in only 10 hours, to becoming flying machines, to being the birds that we aspire to be and have actually become. Airplanes are not just a way for us to get from A to B. They're a way for us to enjoy the brilliance of the human mind, the brilliance of human experiences. So I ask you today in my presentation about airplanes to not just think about airplanes for you to get to your destination, but also to get to the destination where you want to get to in your life. Whether that destination is a happy family, whether that destination is a food place you want to get to tonight, or whether that destination is a mission you want to do in life. Use the inspiring human beings that came before us who built that airplane to say, wow, what kind of airplane can I build in mind? Obviously, I just want to push there. You made it really easy on me. I have gotten words like nail polish. And like uh -huh. stuff I probably shouldn't say on a call. But anyways, the point is, three things I want to mention with this exercise. I kept it PG, even though, you know. I, yeah, yeah. I, I like keeping PG. it. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm pretty PG, guys. Sometimes I swear, but let's keep PG for the case. Yeah. But anyways, point of driving, number one. Right. Do not compare yourself to me, guys. I've done this thing 2,000 times. Even when I don't want to practice, I need to show it on every show I'm on just to show that I'm credible. Okay, so it's not meant to comparison games. Well, let's throw that out of the window. Two, all I'm asking for is five minutes of your day right so you take the word and you just you just try to it's like a amazing film wolf on wall street yeah, yeah sell me that. this yeah. pen right sell me this pen 
but it's a much That's easier it. way. It's a much easier yes, of course. Of but but you, you're really you're, you're creating a story that gets people intrigued in whatever it is that you're talking about. And I I, I you know I was seeing some of the the tactics and the you know the pauses and stuff. You know, it was great. You know what I mean? Because you you pull people in with that, right? Especially something that you're you're ready to do. And there is a certain there's something to be said about the economy of words, right? And it's something in this day and age that's so important. It's like, how can we say, how can we, uh, you know, project our thoughts, communicate our ideas as easily as possible, right? And it sounds like that's very much what you're after. So how to make people better talkers. I'm with you, man. Right? So I, I, man, I loved it very much. I am looking at the time. We got 51 minutes here. Time flies. So where can people check out uh, your work? Absolutely, man. So for those who want to check out the YouTube channel, that's Master Talk in one word. Master and you'll find everything else there. So that's Master Talk in one word. You can check yeah. it out there. And we're talking high quality videos, man. I was checking them out. I was like, Appreciate it, brother. this Appreciate guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> we try, so, man. We try. Well, Brennan, thank you very much. What's, uh, what's next for you guys, for, your, for, you, for yourself? Yeah, yeah. For me and, and the team that I've been blessed to work yeah. with, I think for me, it's it's really just, you know, living in a world, man, where everyone can just communicate better. You know, I think what I noticed in, in my experience, even if I have a lot more life to go, at least I hope, anyway, let's, let's pray. Mm, yeah, but yeah. the key is, you know, I see people like Dale Carnegie you know, that I've admired. Yeah, how to influence and, people. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's crazy and rather unfortunate that Dale was born in the wrong time period of history. We don't have a Dale Carnegie appearing on a podcast. We don't have a Dale Carnegie on a YouTube channel. We don't have the best way to share a message in a free category in a way that's accessible to people. Because even if you're reading a book on public speaking, it's not as good as with like this, where you actually someone's practice. Yeah. You go, wow, okay, like I want to be like this person. And that's what I want to try and be with with my life is to be the modern day Dale Carnegie. So that's the hope, man. Well. Last question. Uh, how about me as a communicator? What what can I work on? What are my what are my strengths and my weaknesses? You're you're a very good communicator. I'll be honest. Like you're actually not bad at all. I, I think the based on the style that you want to bring to this platform, right? Because you have to keep in mind there's no rules in communication when you're being coached. Anyone who gives you rules is, in my opinion, doesn't know how to teach communication. Sure. For me, it's more about like what is your goal as a platform. So the way that I would think about it is different for a podcast host than it is for a general person who's watching the show. Right. But I'm happy to share this publicly. So the way that the thing that I would say to you is what you want to think about is how big you want the platform to be. If your goal is to be a top 1% podcast host in the world, let's say that's your goal. You need to ask yourself, what is my competition doing that I am not doing? Right. So I'll give you some examples. Out of probably 300 shows, there is like probably three in particular hosts that I can put my finger on to go like, the experience I had as a guest for that show was insanity. So for example, uh, one, of, one of the guys was just like, in this episode, you said this. Can you expand on this? So they are figuring out insightfully before the show, what insights has this person said before that I want my audience to know about? Right and through that, but that might not work with your style though, but this is a way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. And then thinking about how to communicate that in an indirect way. So I would think about ways and how you can 10X the guest experience. Here's a good example. One thing you could say in an email when you get on a call with somebody is you just go, before they come on the show, you could say, hey, what, what's one question that 
you've always wanted to answer, but no one's ever asked. Or simply, what's one thing you always want to say in a show that nobody gives you the platform to say? Yeah, that, what is, that, the topic that is that, huge for me. Yeah. That's how you get, especially for famous people. Not for me, I'm not famous. But for like famous people. Not yet. That, yeah, not yet. But like uh, <laughs> someone who's done this really well is the hot ones. Sean Evans, the guy who owns Hot Ones on YouTube. He has like 10 million subscribers. He interviews a lot of celebrities. Right. Man, the interviews he does is insanity. Like he's he's asking the question. Like no one's asked me that before. Like what? Do you, how did you know I had five dogs in my basement? It's so weird, right? So it's um it's very right. So that's something you can think about. Yeah, because because it, it it does come down to the questions that you ask, right? And uh, you know, one thing that I'm not a huge fan of is this very like. Oh, oh yeah. Well, Brendan, uh, you know, like it's. I like the organic, right? We're on the same page. We're on the same yeah. page. Well, hey, man, thank you so much. Uh, we'll definitely have you on again. And uh, check out the Master Talk on YouTube. Cool, man. Pleasure, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Once again, that was uh, Brendan Kumarasamy sharing with us the importance of public speaking, how to be a better public speaker, and uh, why we, we need to have that level of confidence in our world, the ability to express our ideas and our thoughts in ways that we can be heard and we can be understood. So it kind of left me with thinking about why are we so afraid of sharing our ideas and I really think it's because we put such an emphasis on getting it right. At least I know I certainly have. I've been such a perfectionist throughout my life. It's one thing that I frequently talk about. And the book you write is better than the book you don't write. So even if it's got some shitty elements in it, you can always tighten it up. It's better than never starting, right? So and the ideas that you have within you, and you have ideas, my friend, where do you want to begin? And I, I highly encourage you to just start. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.